The ServiceNow developer program staff has had some changes lately. So let's take a few minutes and meet our newest developer advocate. Welcome to Breakpoint, the ServiceNow developer podcast. Here's your host, Chuck Tomasi. Hello, ServiceNow admins, builders, developers, and curious individuals. And of course, I always say that with the utmost love and respect. Welcome to Breakpoint, the ServiceNow developer podcast. In this episode, I am lucky enough to sit down with our newest developer advocate and have a, as the Brits would say, a chin wag with Earl Duque. How are you today, Earl? I'm doing great, Chuck. Thanks for having me on. Glad you're here. And before we begin, let's get to know your backstory a little bit. How did you get here? Okay, so my story of how I got here to developer advocacy, or even just the service now, it was a, it's a little bit different. So I hope that... I always hope that my story resonates with a lot of other people's stories uh, because I know a lot of people out there that might be listening to this weren't trained in IT or they didn't do development in school and stuff like that. And that's exactly that's exactly me. So my background, when I first got out of school, uh, I went to UCLA and then I graduated and I became an RA supervisor, basically. And I put on the events. I did all of the uh, making sure RAs went on duty and made sure students were, weren't dying inside the dorms basically hmm. oh that was my job for a while and that's where all my train that's all my training right so if there's a fire everybody out yeah that was me <laughs> um the 2 a.m standing outside directing students out of the building uh when the fire alarm was going off because someone pulled the fire alarm that that, that was me um for the longest time but that was kind of my background that was i was trained in counseling in inter- intermediation uh uh, I was trained in stuff like event program, event planning and stuff like that. But um, I eventually hit a ceiling in that sector and I had to make a, a, an adjustment so I could continue my career. And I ended up on the business side of housing and student affairs. And I did contract management for UCLA. And that was the first time they I really had sat down in front of spreadsheets. And that was like the beginning of my career in doing anything techie kind of thing, um, was managing a bunch of spreadsheets. I imagine you're going door to door like a tax collector. <laughs> yeah. Dude, dude, dude. Spreadsheet says you haven't paid your monthly dues. It'd be that a was... shame for your room to be uh, upset. <laughs> yeah, that was really part of my department was the, hey, you want housing? You have to go through my office. And hey, if you're not paying, we're we're knocking on your doors. So um, you can imagine... Uh, UCLA housing is a something like a hundred and eighty million dollar revenue business, Ooh. and so it's it's a lot of spreadsheets. And uh, that office, when I joined it, it was still running everything off of spreadsheets and email. And ho- hopefully, some of you are already resonating with the start of your IT career and knowing how ServiceNow can automate some of those things, getting off of emails and Excel. But I was even I was still way before my ServiceNow journey on that one. But it was there that I, was like, I found myself thinking, there's got to be better ways to do this. Mm-hmm. And so not knowing any uh, programming or anything like that, I taught myself Visual Basic for applications. And that was my first foray into scripting. And I started scripting everything that we did within uh, Excel, automating Outlook emails and stuff like that. Uh, and we realized we became a lot more efficient because no, we didn't have any more 
uh, errors in data entry because we are automating it now. Uh, or we didn't have to worry about uh, typos and emails because we were automating it now. So you saw the potential of automation at that point. Yes, that, that, that made me realize automation was fun and made <laughs> my job a lot more easier and made everybody else around me happier because their jobs became easier and they were able to focus on um, different things within their job. And then I was getting really good at that stuff and I was doing pretty well with myself there. And then I decided to press the reset button and follow my then fiance up um, from Southern California to Northern California. And I basically pressed reset on my entire career to do so. And I, I applied to a bunch of different jobs. And the first place that offered me a job was K-Love Air One radio station up in NorCal as a part of the facilities team as a coordinator. And that was the first job I took. And I was um, supposed to be the person that helped uh, put contracts together, get vendors on campus. And then uh, an asterisk, other duties as intended. Okay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and that other duties as um, as intended was uh, I was scrubbing the toilets. I was unclogging them. I was climbing up onto the roof uh, to clear out the sumps and the gutters. Uh, all that kind of stuff. Putting furniture together for the new desks and all that things in between trying to schedule vendors and stuff. And then at one point, I thought to myself... Automation probably would make this easier because we still get requests for facility stuff via email, and that's getting kind of hard to manage. I think we had a SharePoint website. Oh, I thought you were trying to automate the scrubbing of the toilets. Hey, that's that's a new that's a future story. We're we're getting there now. <laughs> um, but yeah, getting all the requests was getting difficult. So I went up to our service desk. I went up to the IT group there, and I said, "Hey, I have ideas for." how to make it better for us to receive requests. But it all involves technology. And I want to know what is available to us for to make the facilities team uh, work faster. And they said, oh, cool. We have this new thing that we're standing up called ServiceNow. Uh, we're going to have you take a look at it and see what you can potentially do. Now, wait, what year was this? I'm, I'm trying to just map it in my brain. Oh, this is, this is not that long ago. This was 2007, 2008. So I joined, I went to NorCal in 2007 and I started, I first found out what ServiceNow was. And I think, oh, sorry, 2017. This was in 2017. So not very long ago, it was in 2017 that I moved up to NorCal. And I think somewhere in 2018 is when I, when I found out what ServiceNow was. And so from there, uh, they gave me access to ServiceNow and I was looking around it and I said, this is great. I think I can start building stuff for our team. And they said, they said, I don't know. We don't no- normally let people outside of our team build on it. And I said, oh, it's fine. I have database experience. I, I've done scripting before. And then they said, this is, this is basically what they said to me. Earl, you know what a database is? <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> and they gave me admin. So production and subproduction, and they said, just go make it. And so really, I'm very blessed and fortunate to have had a company that was so willing to trust me with their with admin in their ServiceNow production instance, <laughs> um, because that really flung open the door. And I was basically allowed to create and up to my heart's content. And that's one of the beauties of 
um, getting someone that's fresh eyed onto your team because they, they see the limitless possibilities as opposed to all the restrictions. And I made everything I could make. I stood up the the first facilities portal with um, requests and uh, the old map, um, the old map integrations for facilities module. Hmm. I I stood up their first uh, PPM suite for one of the project teams. I started building security access forms. Um, I I was doing all these different things just because right when I finished the facility side, all the other teams were like, hey, if Earl's not busy, can he start building stuff for us? And this is still in between me unclogging a toilet and climbing up to the roof. Um, and uh, I'm now I'm scripting stuff in ServiceNow and I'm building a service portal, making my own widgets. Uh, every once in a while, IT would come in and say, hey, Earl, maybe you shouldn't have done it that way. Can you re- go look at that? Because I was a fresh eyed. I didn't I was not following sure. standards yeah. at all. We all had some bad practices that we need to overcome. Yeah, um, but it was it was amazing because the moment I realized I was good at that stuff is the moment they um, they invited me to some conference that I didn't know I, I had no idea about what it was, and they said like, "Oh, it's this little small thing called knowledge. It's in Florida. Go ahead and join us. Uh, you're doing a lot of cool stuff in service now, even though you're not on our um, IT team or the project team." Or the security team, we're going to bring you along because you're doing some cool stuff. Wow, that's pretty nice of them. Yeah, it was great. It was, and <laughs> suddenly, I'm in Florida, right after my honeymoon because now I'm married, uh, and I'm walking around looking at all of the booths and all of the people and being completely amazed that I was even there. And during one breakfast, I overhear someone two tables over. And if you've ever been to Knowledge, you you can imagine and just imagine all the thousands of people trying to eat breakfast at the same time in the big auditorium. Mm-hmm. And I just happened to overhear someone two tables over talking about the university of California. And so I stand up because I'm sitting there by myself because I, I didn't really have a network or anything. I wasn't part of community at all. And I was like, Oh, that sounds cool. I'm going to go over there and chat with that person. And I sit down and I wait for a pause in the conversation and I introduce myself. And this is a person at another UC. Um, it just so happens to be the UC I live closest to when I moved up to Northern California. And I connect with this person and I say, hey, cool. It's great. We should connect sometime later. And to shorten up the story, a few months later, they basically stole me from the radio station. And I joined the at UC Davis at the help desk. And I think they put me in the help desk for the sake of eventually being able to bring, potentially bring me into service now because they wanted to trial run me. They knew sure, I was sure. willing to be in the help desk. They wanted to see what I would build over there. And from there, it has been a roller coaster. It, I know everyone always jokes about the rocket ship of service now. Um, and it's kind of like our, our main saying once you join service now proper. But it really was like even before I joined, joined service now, the moment I knew what service now was, my career just went through the roof. I went to UC Davis and then UC San Diego stole me. And then now I'm here at, Ser- at service now. And ever since then, it's just been wild. Like I would have never thought from, I was like a contract manager at UCLA. And then I was a facilities coordinator at a radio station. Then suddenly I'm at a help desk and now I'm an, and I'm a at sysadmin and now I'm an, a developer and now I'm a senior developer and now I'm a developer lead with a mat, with a team under me. And now I'm a developer advocate. Like I, I would have never imagined what this would have been like if you had asked me 
three years ago, four years ago. Yeah, I was going to say that's in the space of four or five years. You know, that's a pretty incredible career change. So that that's you know we can't promise everybody listening to this such changes, but it yeah you know, it, it can happen. You never know what to expect. So keep your options open. Yeah, if someone were to ask me like. What what what's the what's the key, right? Like, what was the reason you were able to make that kind of meteoric rise through ServiceNow? And one, I am technically minded, so there is that. And I I know not everybody's technically minded, but the fact that ServiceNow was so accessible to me mm-hmm. when I wasn't technically minded was a key point to why I was able to get into it because I was building stuff in service now with very minimal knowledge to actual programming or to actual development and stuff like that. But I was still able to stand up a lot of stuff at the radio station. And I think that was a key part of it. Um, I, afterwards I do realize, Oh, I'm actually kind of good at this stuff. Um, and then the other part is, uh, is the network really like being able to, network with like-minded individuals across the uc was able was able for me to move from the radio station to the uc uh, and then i made making connections at the other ucs i moved to san diego but then it was at a hackathon that i met a lot of people that's where i first saw you chuck was at 2018 hackathon i think you were standing you're sitting in the first row and i remember meeting you there and i met a bunch of other developers there and they told me hey join the community and that's that community is why I, I, I think I was able to get to developer advocacy is because I was able to connect with everybody and be basic, basically build that network. I think I, I think I was really fortunate that I started off in student affairs because I learned how to lead meetings. I learned how to uh, lead it. I had a, I was supervising what, like 24 students at a time or something like that. Um, I, I had experience from the get go of, uh, what does it mean to liaison between departments and stuff like that? Uh, and having that ability, having those social abilities really helped me in my career in the technical world. And that's something I really hope to help people in the future with is how important it is to be just as good as talking to people as to building stuff. Because especially in the certain sense of marketing in the development world, oh, you have half of building something is half of it. You have to be able to sell it, uh, sell it as the other half. Yep. So I think those are some of the key things that helped me get there. Um, but I know everyone's story is going to be different, but I think a lot of people hopefully will resonate with the fact that I was um, either start started from the help desk and rose up or, uh, or even further back was scrubbing toilets before I got to the help desk. <laughs> you stole all my follow-up questions. I was going to ask you, what did you learn from those previous jobs? But yeah, the 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 socializing, the the introductions, sticking out your hand and saying hello, uh, going to events for that kind of thing is just priceless. I I think I've had more career vector changes because of going to conferences, not just knowledge, but other things in the industry as well. You never know who you're going to meet that has an opportunity. Uh, fortunately, the last. 11 or so years it's always been within service now but it's uh it it really is a game changer and if you like you said being the smartest person in the world being the best service now developer in the world doesn't do you any good if nobody knows about it Mm -hmm. well i want to back up a little bit more Uh, let's get to know earl as a person We, we we got your cv or your resume down 
Uh, tell us a little bit about your family or what do you do when you're not working? What do I do when I'm not working? Uh, I do. Um, I did get into service now because I moved across the, the state. Uh, so you probably, I guess even further back, we can have, we could thank my, my wife, Rebecca, um, for all of that, for making me move to Northern California and getting into a job that had service now in it. Uh, I, we have a, a daughter, she is only 14 months old. So we're still experiencing all the joy of new parenting, uh, and, finding out new stuff. She took her first steps earlier this week. So, oh, outstanding. So we're very excited about that and also very worried at the same time. Uh, to complete our family, we have a, a big old labradoodle named Bodie. And he <laughs> he's our, our, what we call our, we always say our, he's our firstborn because he we got him first um, as we were struggling to have our first child. So he filled in the gap for us very well. And he's very much loved. Uh, we live in Northern California, Sacramento, soon to be Modesto, California, though. We're moving for the sake of my wife's job. But for family, because um, if you ask, who's Earl outside of work? Uh, my family. And then after that, really everything, uh, everything about gaming, everything games. If, whether You can ask me to play a video game, a board game, fantasy sports, um, tackle football outside, any any anything i'm down for it um it's just all things games is fun for me and it's not even because it's like like competitive or anything i just like getting people around a similar topic or a similar thing and just having fun um i have more than 150 board games uh because i really really love the idea of getting people around the table and just chatting and having something to do uh for the especially for the sake of the people that um uh might not be able to socialize in a group of circle without having something to focus on like a board game. Sure. Sure. Uh, okay. Pop quiz. What's your favorite board game? My favorite board game. I would probably say, Oh, now do I choose one that nobody would know? Go ahead. It, 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 the, the more obscure, the better. Uh, there's a game called Caverna. It is my favorite game because it is very deliberate and slow paced and it's, not very competitive for all the people playing, so everyone doesn't feel like they're getting beat up or destroyed or anything like that. But it's basically about farming and having building a little house and stuff like that. So it's a very calming kind of game. That's my favorite game. Um, if I were to recommend a game for everyone to get into board gaming, I would say look up this game at t- called Ticket to Ride. You can find it in most stores. Look up Ticket Ticket to Ride and yep. play that game. That game is a good gateway game into board gaming. And then message me later and tell me how much you love that game, and I'll recommend you your next game. <laughs> well, it's also got expansion packs, too, I found out. We played that quite a bit in July when I was at my mother-in-law's. Yeah, have you tried Europe or any of the other maps? No, I, I basically stuck with the U.S., and uh, you know, I, it's one of those games where you have lofty goals. You go, I'm going to do this, I'm going to do that, and I'm going to do that. and But the more you try to do, the less you accomplish <laughs> Right. And the the beauty of that game, though, this is another reason why I'm so big on getting people just around the table and playing, because it doesn't, it's competitive, 
but you don't really ever feel like you've been ousted directly by somebody. Even if you were blocked or even if they took a route from you, you always have a backup plan. You always like, okay, I'll, I'll just go do this. And it doesn't bring the nasty side of out of people when they get, um, when they lose or anything like that. And that's, that's why I like that. Oh, it does for me. It's like, where's the white cars? <laughs> <laughs> that's true. And then there's always that one person sitting in the corner that has 40 cards in their hand. <laughs> Yeah, like how how did you do that? We're three turns in, and you've already got you know your coast to coast. <laughs> I love it. All of my all of my games, I love it. Um, I'm I was a little sad when I moved to NorCal because I lost my main board game group at, from Southern California. But we've been making do with tabletop simulator, simulator uh, tabletop simulator online, um, and playing virtually ever since the pandemic started. But that's also fun. What does it mean to you to be a ServiceNow developer advocate? What it means to me is that I, so I think I'll answer that in two ways. For me personally, it means that I get to combine so many parts of my career and my history into one where before, I was much more on the student affairs side of just hoping that the people around me grow and are well taken care of and are learning as much as they possibly can. Mm-hmm. Combined with my more later career of being very technically sound, of knowing how things work and being able to build things with very little direction. I think for me personally, developer advocacy is a confluence of all of that, of combining my technical mind and combining my social mind and into like the ideal job. I I was joking around about this to some people that when this position was presented to me, I was like taken aback. It was like deep in my heart. I was like, this is like the dream job for me. I want to do this so much. And to finally be in it, it's I've, I've, I'm still like in the honeymoon phase and I'm still (laughs) sitting there wide-eyed and utter in utter disbelief that i'm i'm actually here um considering my short career and stuff like that and i'm forever grateful for you and brad and everyone that went into that decision making process so thank you for that you're very welcome very welcome Uh, it kind of makes you wonder what's what's your next job position going to look like because i have had that same chronic problem with every position at service now, I've got the greatest job in the world. And someone says, you want to come be on my team? But, <laughs> but, but, and then, you know, six months in going, I got the greatest job in the world. <laughs> it's true. I've, I have changed around quite a bit in the last several years. Um, but I'm hoping, I, I'm hoping to do this for a long time. Good, good. We look forward to having you on the team. And again, if opportunities come up, you got to at least explore them. Now, I know you've only been at this role for a little while and you've got an idea of what we need to build and fix uh, on this team and in the organization. If you could tackle any project on the developer program, any project, whether whether somebody else is in charge of it or not, what would that be? I think I would tackle having an official mentorship program. Why is that? One of the cool things that happened when I first started my career in student affairs was they were very adamant about, hey, 
we're going to train you as much as possible. We're going to link you to as many resources as possible because we want you to do the best as you possibly can. And mm -hmm. we're not, we're going to send you through months of training before you even step foot onto campus, blah, blah, blah. And one of the first things they did was like, Hey, we're going to identify a mentor for you. And, um, you, we're going to connect you. He's also there. This person is also in this sector and they're also part of this. They've been doing it a lot longer. And, um, you can talk to this person about anything. It doesn't even have to be about student affairs. But I just want you to talk talk to this person about it and be feel free to ask them questions about anything that you want. And um, that connection that I made with that mentor at the time, someone I had no idea about, but because they had the structure of having a mentorship program, allowed me to grow in ways that I had never anticipated i had i had questions that i would feel embarrassed asking like my supervisor at the university um especially if it had to deal with political like bureau bureaucratic stuff or red tape and all the how to navigate that kind of stuff but now i had a person like hey every once in a while i'll email this mentor even years after the fact and say hey i'm in this situation what do you think and they would just give their two cents and that would give me enough like that at least would open the door to whatever possibility I needed to hear at the time. Um, but then hitting stuff like when I first got to my first development position, there was no other developers on my team that were really that were that very knowledgeable. I joined a team that just had lost their um, lead developers and stuff like that. And now I didn't have a resource to ask for certain things or a person that I could fall back to and, um, and reach out to. And I think a lot of teams are out there that a ServiceNow team is just one person. Or mm -hmm. if you are the ad, sysadmin slash developer, you are the ServiceNow team. Like who are you gonna reach out to for ServiceNow advice or uh, that kind of thing? And without a mentorship program in place, there's a lot of people we miss out there that doesn't have the same initiative. Um, and I think I, I'm a person that takes a lot of initiative, but I still would have never known to connect with this what my student affairs mentor was unless there was a structure um around me for that and i think we're missing that right now um for, especially in the de the developer space in service now because we have so many developers out there that uh don't know that they can reach out to people and they just need the structure to realize that they can do that uh, and then on the flip side we have a lot of people that are seasoned veterans and they love taking people under their wing. But what if you're on a team of fully experienced developers or what if you are a solo dev, you're just very experienced and you wanna be able to uh, feed into somebody else, be able to pour into somebody else because that's very, it's very enriching. It's very fulfilling when you're able to watch somebody grow. Yeah, mentorship and coaching are are terribly underutilized in general, not just, yeah. not just in the ServiceNow developer program. I don't think people recognize the value. I've used them a couple of times through my career, especially when I'm new to a role. I yeah, yeah I don't want to fail fast. I want to succeed you know, right away. So I reach out to somebody who's got that experience who can help guide. And it, it really, uh, it, it made a huge difference. It really did. And I recommend it for anyone in any new role, or even if you've got you know a moderate experience and you want to get better, look to somebody as a mentor or or reach out to your boss for some coaching assistance because and and I suspect that's where you're going with this is let's put some structure on it to make that connecting tissue better. 
Yeah, and so we've been I've been given the green light to say, hey, if you want to do a mentorship program, you go do a mentorship program. And so we're we're in the design building phase of that now. And I hope it becomes something I hope it is as useful as my mentors have been for me in the past. If if I can get some just a few people to connect and be able to grow from it, then I'll think it'll be a successful program. Hopefully more than just a few. <laughs> Uh, who would you say is your biggest influence on your career so far? I would probably say it's my, it's my wife and child. That's that's easily why I do so much of what I do is because I want to provide for them and I want to um, show them what good hard work looks like. And especially for my daughter, I mean, the ways that ServiceNow has blessed my family ever since I learned what it was has been mind-blowing to me it's just astronomical of what my career has changed from four years ago when i even learned when i learned what service now was to today um but if it wasn't for my wife uh, encouraging me to take the new jobs and to saying that we can that to support me while i'm doing it and stuff like that and uh that would have been impossible for me to do any of that stuff so i would i put her in the forefront Love you, Rebecca. I love you. Well, what words of advice would you have for new developers listening to this? So many people will tell you life is who you know, and they're not kidding. And it doesn't have to be networking um, and standing up in front of people uh, in front of a conference and introducing yourself. It doesn't have to be any of that stuff. It could be standing up during knowledge at your table during breakfast and walking over to another table and saying hi that could be the all the difference and for me that was what all the difference was and so i would encourage you don't be an island in the vast sea there's so many people out there doing the same thing that you're doing and there's all there's so many people out there that have done what you are doing now and so just introduce yourself uh be Take one step at a time in being active in the community. Um, that's what I did, and now I'm all the better for it. It's a wild ride once you start doing so, so be prepared. All right. Thank you very much, Earl. It's been a real treat. We definitely look forward to seeing what you bring forth in the next year and way beyond that. Hopefully, we'll have a long, long relationship with you here at ServiceNow and who knows, beyond so thank you for joining us today. Before we leave, can you let the listener know how they can get in touch with you? If you want to reach out to me, you can find me on the SNDev Slack. So go to SNDevs.com, join the Slack, and then message Earl Duque. Or you can email me, I don't mind, earl.duque at servicenow.com. Or follow me uh, on any social media. You'll find me on them. <laughs> that is true. You are you're one of the more prolific social media people uh, on this team, if not within the company, you know, relatively speaking, when you look across the company and who's who's putting what out. Thank you very much. And thank you, wonderful listener, for joining us today. Don't forget to check out the other ServiceNow podcasts. You can find them on the community under the resources menu or servicenow.com slash podcast. You can subscribe to this and all of them for free and get them automatically delivered to you in the middle of the night, they just show up. It's like the RSS fairies come and deliver you a package. It's really fun. 
Uh, and again, thank you so much, Earl, for sharing with us today. Thanks for having me. It was great. Please let us know what you think about this podcast. You can leave feedback or ask questions in the ServiceNow community. For more great information on ServiceNow development, check out the ServiceNow developer portal at developer.servicenow.com. Thanks for listening.